Welcome to the Root Cause Revolution podcast with functional and integrative nurse nutritionist and energy medicine practitioner, Audrey Christie. Hi, friends, and welcome to episode 295. Today, we're talking about the pelvic floor and incontinence. Embarrassing, right? Well, we're all going to blush together. If this is your first time listening, I'm Audrey. I am a root cause clinician, and I specialize in helping you to stop masking symptoms and start healing from all of those chronic issues that have been nagging at you for a long, long time, up to and including things you might have an actual label and diagnosis for, like autoimmune diseases. I help you to start your own root cause revolution to rebalance your body so you can heal for good. So if you're done with Band-Aids and ready for real healing solutions, you are in the right place. Like I said, today we're talking about the pelvic floor. (laughs) Many people assume that pelvic floor problems are just for women in their 50s, 60s, and beyond. And while it does occur more often in a population that is midlife and older, There are pelvic floor issues that happen to everyone, and whether you are in your 20s or 30s, whether you've had a child or not, all the way up into pre, peri, or postmenopausal, this episode is for you because the very best cure is prevention, and that starts when you are younger. If all of us that are in our 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond had had the right understanding and training about the pelvic floor when we were young, then many of us would not be facing the issues that we face today. So first, let's talk about a couple different types of incontinence, right? I'm sure you've seen ads on TV. Maybe you know somebody who jumps on a trampoline and has to change their pants or jogs and has to change their pants. Um, It's one of the most common types of incontinence, and that's called stress incontinence. And this happens when you are doing something like coughing, sneezing, laughing, jumping on a trampoline, standing up, exercising. Um, And this happens because of two different reasons, generally either an anatomical change, but mostly from the weakening of tissues in and around the vagina, the bladder, and that pelvic sling or pelvic diaphragm, also sometimes called the pelvic floor. Another type of incontinence is called urge incontinence, and this is categorized by a sudden urge to go to the bathroom, but you just can't make it in time. And it's more of the scenario where you run to the bathroom, but you can't hold the flow before you get like onto the toilet. And so this is more of a neurological problem than it is an anatomical problem. So urge incontinence is a different problem than stress incontinence. Um, It's a problem, urge incontinence is a problem of the nervous system relaying a message to the bladder itself and back from the bladder. Uh, Other types of incontinence include mixed incontinence, which is uh, a combination of all the types. And then, of course, overflow incontinence. And overflow incontinence is when the bladder is so full, it can't hold its its contents any longer, and it just starts to release urine on its own. So you might be wondering, well, how do I end up like this? Or how do I stop from ending up like this? We're going to start with... How did do people end up like this, right? Because this episode was requested by someone who is having this problem. Um, and there are some definite risk factors. There is a, a large body of evidence that points to um, genetics playing a role in this. But like anything, genetics does what? It loads the gun and then your lifestyle, your experiences pulls the trigger. 
So some of the risk factors here are a history of childbirth or multiple childbirths. Uh, sometimes the tissue that supports the bladder and connects it to the bones of our pelvis can actually be torn during childbirth or stretched beyond um, repair during child carrying. And so what's, what happens is that allows the bladder to start to drop or fall down. Um, it, the technical term for this is paravaginal defect. And so what happens is you have a bulging bladder, um, sometimes called a cystocele. And if you combine that problem with menopause, where there is a natural weakening of tissues around the vagina and a lack of uh, protective estrogen, specifically estriol, then you can have a real problem with weak tissues leading to that stress incontinence. Now, even if you don't have um, an obvious sign when you're younger, oftentimes we don't show the signs of that pelvic trauma from childbirth until we hit that menopausal age where the tissues begin to weaken and then the defect is obvious. And our human suits infinite wisdom and resilience. Um, a lot of times our bodies can compensate for these issues that happen during carrying a child in childbirth and they, it may compensate for years and years and years after the injury. And then, like I said, that, that, um, estriol, the, the protective estrogen that helps to keep the tissues around the vagina very strong, um, may prevent an actual defect until we hit that menopausal age because those levels decrease. Um, and so the injury or so to speak, the, the insults really, um, become the injury, even though it happened half a lifetime before the injury actually shows up. So once a bladder has dropped like this, really fallen from its normal position, you can have a couple problems, right? You can have unwanted leakage, that incontinence we've been talking about, but you can also have incomplete emptying of the bladder. Uh, you can have, uh, weak pelvic floor muscles that don't have a drop bladder but still lead to pelvic pain and increased cramping uh, around your menstruation. So if we look at, and I have a link in the show notes on any podcast provider, you'll find it a link in the description to a little YouTube video. It's not my YouTube video, but it's just a little uh, diagram, if you will, an explanation of the pelvic floor. They also talk about doing Kegels, which we'll talk about more in a minute. But if you think about the pelvic floor, the upper and lower vaginal support and the internal and external anal sphincter, it's a really complex network of muscles. It's a complex network of ligaments and other tissues. And they form like a woven sling or hammock that goes across the opening of the bottom of the pelvis. And that sling supports all the pelvic organs, okay? So everything below your diaphragm is supported by that sling. All of that being said, how the heck do we fix it? Or are we all do doomed to poor pelvic function and, and pelvic floor dysfunction and issues and pain as we grow older? Well, there's a couple things to do. So here's where to start. And what we're going to take a, a an approach of focusing on urinary health, on pelvic floor health, on pelvic floor strengthening, and resolving existing issues, right? Because I want it to be an encompassing episode for women from, you know, your, your childbearing years all the way up through 
menopause and beyond, okay? So number one, and nobody likes number one, but it's avoid all diuretics, all diuretics. You might be thinking, well, Audrey, I don't take any diuretics, but the top offenders for this are caffeine and alcohol, okay? So this is at least something to try for eight to 10, maybe 12 weeks to work towards elimination of the problem, before you decide to have any surgeries, which are just temporary Band-Aids, uh, and if you go to a surgeon and tell them that you're having these issues, they are going to want to do surgery. That's what they do. So if you go to a surgeon, they're going to find a reason to do surgery. Um, but you'll want to make sure before you do that to give this a try. Make sure all the caffeine and all the alcohol is out of your diet to see if there is any improvement. Now, Part of this is because caffeine and al alcohol actually increase urinary production and irritate the bladder lining. Yes. But part of this is also what you've heard me talk about, clearing the muddy waters, right? Letting all the inflammation fall to the side so we can see what's actually going on. Now, alcohol is the new cigarette. So if you um, partake in alcohol on a regular basis, no matter what your age is, you're going to want to reevaluate that because what you can't have is an alcohol habit, even if it's just one drink a night, even if it's just a few drinks on the weekend and health and wellness, the two just don't go together. And I don't know that I've ever said that publicly, um, on this forum before, but it's been proven time and time and time again, that there are no health benefits to alcohol and there is something to uncover there if it's something that you are relying on too much. All the same with caffeine. Caffeine is a drug. Um, I can sometimes, <laughs> sometimes negotiate the health benefits of caffeine when used in conjunction with something else. But overall, even my very favorite King Organo Reishi coffee. It's better for you just to take the reishi spores in a capsule form than it is to continue to intake the caffeine, okay? Particularly as we get older and we're dealing with things like hormone imbalances, which leads to this pelvic floor dysfunction, not the only path to pelvic floor dysfunction, but is one of the paths, um, then it's something to consider, right? Would you rather have your coffee in the morning and have to wear a urinary incontinent pad all day, or would you rather pick an alternative to caffeine, okay? All right, number two, reevaluate your water intake and your hydration status. And I know you're already thinking, well, Audrey, you tell us to drink a gallon of water a day, and I do. <laughs> but um, too much water intake can sometimes, very rarely, sometimes worsen incontinence in some individuals. Um, but a bigger impact is too little water. Too little water causes the urine to be too highly concentrated and too highly concentrated urine irritates the bladder mucosa, leading to problems of incontinence and exacerbating incontinence. So when we're looking through the lens of overall improving pelvic health and improving your pelvic floor, it's not just focused on reducing water. Most of the time we want to increase water. Now, if you are drinking a gallon of water a day and you've been doing it for a minute, you've been doing it for a few weeks now and you're still getting up to go to the restroom every hour on the hour, or you're still waking up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom, then what you want to reevaluate is your mineral status. Likely you are in a fight or flight sympathetic nerve response and you need to reevaluate your stress, rhythms, lifestyle, 
as well as your mineral intake. That's something to just note. It's probably a mineral problem if you're drinking a lot of water. Now, if it's a new habit, you can expect your body to take a few weeks to adjust to it. But once you get in the habit of drinking water every day, um, that urinary output should reduce to a normal level. All right, number three, strengthening the muscles. Now, a lot of people will think, well, Audrey, I do Kegels all the time. And Kegels can be helpful. Kegels can be helpful to strengthen pelvic muscles. You can do Kegels anywhere, anytime. The little video that I have linked in the show notes will um, help you learn how to do those. But, (laughs) but... Kegels are not the end all be all. More importantly than Kegels, you have to learn how to use and work your pelvic floor properly. So here's the way I like to talk to people about it. If you're having urinary incontinence, do Kegels, right? Hold the squeeze for about 10 seconds, then rest for 10 seconds and do sets of 10 to 20 of these contractions a day. Now, If you aren't having problems and you just want to take care of your pelvic floor and your lower back and your digestive tract and your core muscles that help you literally do everything and also help you to have a um, deep, you know, abdominal muscle benefit of improving the way your core looks and feels, then you're going to want to do more than just Kegels. Okay. And it is possible to overdo Kegels. So it's really important to balance it with actual pelvic floor exercises. So one of the links I have included for you is the NAFC, which stands for National Association for Continents. Um, but which I didn't even know was a thing. And I'm not, I'm definitely not condoning their nutrition or any of the other things that they're doing. However, their pelvic floor exercises are downloadable. They are free and you can go get uh, difficulty level from easy to moderate to difficult to very difficult so that you can begin to work on those deep core muscles. I cannot tell you enough. Even if you take incontinence and pelvic floor health out of it, these muscles are required for you to avoid back pain, for you to be able to hold proper function, to maintain your ability to get up and down off the floor without using assistance, all of these things that will help you long after you are worried about continence. So head over there, pick a couple of these exercises, um, Things like diaphragmatic breathing, that's my favorite thing to have people do at first. Uh, And then you can add a foam roller. You can do supine marching, which is laying on your back and moving your, uh, picking your feet up. You can do trunk rotation. There's all sorts of things for you to do there, and it progresses through different levels. Once you have that down, and you can do that in a daily, that could be part of your daily routine. Um, I do deep core and pelvic exercises every other day. So I lift, I do heavy lifting and cardio uh, three to four days a week. And then on my off days, I do pelvic floor and um, some other, whatever lifting I missed in the classes I go to to lift. <laughs> um, so have a, having a break between the two will help. And it doesn't matter what you what you do as a hobby, it will help everything feel better. Now, I would be remiss if we didn't add some stuff about nutritional support. So some of the most important nutrition uh, nutrients for nourishing the urinary system, your pelvic floor, are vitamin A. Vitamin A protects the mucous membranes of your entire human suit, but particularly of the uh, pelvic floor and urinary tract 
uh, urinary system, right? Urinary as a whole. <laughs> um, you can get this in supplement form, of course, but it's better if you can get it from food. So things like beef liver, eggs, grass-fed ghee, sweet potato, tuna, but you want to be cautious with your tuna consumption, uh, chickens, carrots, uh, leafy greens, dark orange veggies. Also complex B vitamins. You want to make sure that your B vitamins are MTHR friendly. They are the um, methylated version that supports healthy energy pathways. Lots of different foods have different B vitamins. Um, avocado is a good one. Fish, eggs, liver, fenugreek, which is a seasoning or an herb. Uh, legumes are also very helpful. Vitamin C. Vitamin C helps with the production and the formation of collagen. Things like oranges, guava, bell peppers, kiwi, grapefruit, tomatoes, strawberries, Brussels sprouts, which are one of my favorites, cantaloupe, which I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole, but a lot of people really love, <laughs> cranberry, um, cherries, camu camu, all kinds of berries. CoQ Enzyme 10. Almost everyone who is over the age of 40 should be taking this anyways. It really helps with cellular oxygenation. Um, it's found in almost every cell of the body, but in food, it comes from fish, organ meats. A lot of people ask me while we're on the topic of organ meats, we'll take a little sidebar here. I don't eat organ meats. They are one of the healthiest things that you can eat if you can get it from healthy, happily raised animals, so grass-fed beef, uh, free-range chicken. However, I don't like them. <laughs> I've never liked liver. I've tried all the things. <laughs> but there is a supplement company called Ancestral Supplements, uh, and they sell the uh, organ meat, if you will, the organs of various animals in a capsule form, and they work really, really well. Uh, magnesium, which uh, with the cofactor B6 helps to reduce calcium kidney stones. You can get that from pumpkin seeds, spinach, sunflower seeds, cashews, chard, almonds, sesame seeds. Um, you can get it from whole soybeans as well. And I'm not against whole soybeans if they are organic. Okay. Um, so if you want to have edamame, make sure you're getting organic soybeans. Potassium, uh, a potassium Deficiency is actually associated with proteinuria, which means there's excess protein in the urine, which can cause urine to be foamy. Um, so that's just kind of a sign there. But chard, lima beans, yams, spinach, papayas, lentils, bananas, mushrooms, sardines. If you're in the women's wellness circle and you like lentils, I encourage you to share a recipe because I am not great at cooking lentils. And I know that's been a struggle for many of us in the women's wellness circle. So I encourage you to come and let us know what you're doing with your lentils. <laughs> and then the last one is valine. Valine maintains nitrogen balance in the body. It helps to reduce the work of the kidneys. Now, this one is tricky to take in nutritionally. In fact, most of the time you have to find it in a supplement because it actually comes from raw eggs. It's also found in elk, which a lot of people don't have access to buy um, elk or to hunt elk, seaweed, and watercress. Now, that really kind of gives us a good foundational basis. But as I talk about so often, there is also that emotional, spiritual, uh, energetic part of us that has to be addressed. Um, so it's important, of course, to address all the things we've talked about. It's important to address toxins and heavy metals, cortisol, stress, rhythm and routine. But it's also important to address gut repair and repopulation, food intakes, diuretics and other offenders. But you have to address trauma and you have to be able to release trauma. Many people carry some form of fashion 
of trauma in their pelvic floor, in the pelvic region, in the sacral chakra. Um, so that is definitely something that you have to address and heal in order to in order to fully heal and reverse or prevent this. So that's something to keep in mind. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please join us in the Women's Wellness Circle, our free private Facebook group. We're doing habit stacking over the next 12 months where we pick a habit every month and we incorporate it into our routine. So by the end of the month, statistically, you'll have at least 10, but hopefully 12 uh, new healthy habits. Uh, We also have free office hours on Fridays. So I encourage you to uh, come visit us there. Also, if you want to get on the schedule to work one-on-one so that I can help you rebalance your body, start your own root cause revolution, and stop masking your symptoms with Band-Aids and truly, truly heal, then definitely check out uh, in the show notes. You'll find links to schedule an appointment with me. You can do a mini case review first uh, and see if we're a good fit. If you're not a good fit, I will point you in the direction of someone that might be a good fit for you, and we can go from there. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you on Friday for Ask Audrey Friday. We have lots of good questions, and I'll see you then. Be well. Thank you for listening to the Root Cause Revolution podcast. Be sure and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated.